Foxes and Fowl is a movement committed to exploring and responding to the unexpected ways that God is moving and speaking in and around us. This podcast is part of that. We want to have conversations that matter with folks in all kinds of walks of life because we believe that the God of the Bible so often shows up in surprising and everyday kinds of ways. We want to pay attention and talk about that and just maybe be changed by it all. Thanks for joining the conversation. Hey, I'm Aaron. Welcome to the Foxes and Fowl podcast. My guest today is the Reverend Dr. Danielle Ayanna James. As her title suggests, Danielle is an ordained minister and has served congregations in the United Church of Canada. These days, she spends her time working with leaders and organizations as a leadership coach and consultant. She's been my leadership coach for the past seven years, and it was fun to be on the other side of the questions this time. Danielle is full of wisdom and insight and loves to see people flourish in their work and life. Stick around afterwards for some things I'm taking away from our time. Until then, I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, Reverend Dr. Danielle Ayanna James, it's so good to see you. Welcome to the Foxes and Fowl podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's nice to see you too. Likewise, this is a, a, a bit of a role reversal. Uh, normally, you're the one asking the questions, and I'm the one trying to give answers uh, that make some sense. So I'm looking forward to this. This is a different kind of conversation than you and I have ever had. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you also. Um, let's get right into it. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your sense of vocation. I know that's something that's really important to you. And one of the things we're interested in on this podcast is this idea of vocation or calling or what we're meant to do with ourselves and how we figure that out. And like so many of our guests, you've uh, been a number of things over the course of your working life. Um, What you're doing now in leadership coaching is in some ways quite different from your work in pastoral ministry. And I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about that, about your own sense of vocation and that journey and how you feel that what you're doing now is is quite different, and maybe how those two things kind of hang together. Um, yeah. yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, it's, uh, again, so good to be here, Aaron, and to be on this side of the table, because uh, we've been journeying together seven plus years or so. Has it been yeah. that long? Yeah, we're uh, October where... 2013. 2013, it has been a while. And uh, yeah, you've given, you've invited me into your own leadership journey in life as your coach over all of that time. Um, And you're right, I uh, definitely have been in a few places through those past few years, both um, as ordained minister of clergy, you know, functioning within United Church congregations, um, but also in the role with you and many others, uh, stewarding my own coaching, professional coaching, um, services and support of others. Um, but there are actually three things that I'm doing right now because there's a third stream in the past two and a half years, um, been working full time in the space of management consulting mm-hmm. and working with a boutique organizational effectiveness firm um, who really focus on uh, supporting people in organizations um, to do their best work and unlock their potential. Um, so those three things, but your question is fabulous. It's such, um, 
such a foundational, such a foundational concept, and yet really hard to to nail sometimes. Hey, what is what is vocation? Yeah, I take a deep breath because I've been in that space, <laughs> pivoting, swirling around it a little a little while. Um, vocation, vocation for me, when years ago when I first started and and started coming up in the church with that hat on that mantle. Um, resonated with what you said, right? This, this word of calling, right? So what am I being pulled toward, drawn toward? What, what is asking of um, both my passion and my purpose, but also, also my pain, what it is that uh, breaks my heart open in order to be responsive. Um, so those three Ps for sure. Um, but lately I would say there's another word that's come into the mix next to calling. And that's the word contribution. Where and how might I best contribute? So offer something that is impactful. Um, now that I have more clarity as to who I want to bless and how I want to bless. Um, so yeah, it feels much more like an intersection of those things, uh, contribution and calling. Yeah, good place to start. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I, I love your... I think sometimes when we think about vocation, we think about a kind of a pursuit and you, mm -hmm. you have reframed it as more of what you're being pulled towards. Mm -hmm. uh, have you always thought about it that way? Or is that is that something you've kind of developed as you've done your own work? Mm -hmm. I think it's it's matured um, within me, deepened within mm -hmm. me. Um, I, I have more texture around it and, and um, both thinking and heart connection to that sense of drawing. But for sure, it's, it's definitely had this space of responsiveness, right? Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, as you, as you deepen into this contemplative life and, and leadership world, um, hopefully is a sign of the rest. It's, it's a sign of the wrestle of like, what is ego, right? Mm -hmm. And just, just for me and about me, um, and what is for this sense of, like I say, contribution, impact and service to, um, which, which also delights me, right? Hey, don't get me wrong, right? It, it, it wakes me up, lights me up, gives me something. Um, but it feels, it feels much more holistic. Like I, there's a giving and a receiving, right? In that, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's good. I, I, was wondering, I was wondering if you have, you know, one question or a series of questions that you encourage people to ask when they're trying to figure out who they want to bless or, or how they, is it just as simple as who, who do you want to bless or? <laughs> How do, how do you encourage people to think that through? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great way. Like what's, what's the methodology, right? To get to a place like that when so many of us, um, and I've seen it myself and, and others for sure, uh, these simple questions would be the most difficult ones, right? They, they really, they point to the place where we can feel most stuck, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what do you want to bless? That, that tritium that I just gave you, those three Ps often, are an unlocking moment for, for folks because you can get, um, I'll tell you the story behind it actually. I was taking my first um, trip, putting a backpack on with a group of um, university students in after my first year um, at undergrad that first summer. And there were six of us that put our backpacks on and went to Guatemala. And it was one of those cross-cultural experiences, right? Where um, connected with faith communities um, but also really curious about politics and about liberation and freedom and 
Um, I was doing a, a sciences degree pre-med at the time and was thinking, oh yeah, this is going to help me get into med school. Or all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but went and, and life opened up, um, saw a lot of complicated things. Um, but the mentor for me who was on the trip, his name was Dave Skeen. Um, you know, he looked at me and, and read right through me, this precocious 17 year old. And, and I said, I gotta figure out who, what, what I wanna do. I gotta figure out what my passion is. I gotta figure out what my purpose is. Like I'm running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember David sitting me down, um, just really lovingly, calmly, good man of faith, um, who had a wisdom to him and uh, just said, you know, Danielle, it's not always about driving forward to answer those two questions also. And he said, let's slow down, get curious. I really want to know what it is that that breaks your heart open. Mm. You know, I can feel the emotions actually as I tell the story. Um, mm. It was, uh, yeah, what breaks your heart open? Because that can be the place where it generates your response. So methodology, I mean, to, to get at some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's about being curious about uh, where your heart wants to spend time. But also this notion, like I say, of contribution. Sometimes you got to bloom where you're planted as well and start there, right? And giving your best and seeing the opportunity right, right where you are. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I wonder how you feel like what you, what you did in your work in the church and what you're doing now kind of correlates. How, how are those things? Um, yeah, how do, you, how do you experience that? Yeah, an another you're tapping into my life. Like this is my daily journal, daily journal, daily devotion time, right? Like just how how might I continue to walk um, in integrated, whole, right, with integrity? Because um, that's what I think uh, that's what I think good religion's about, right? Bring like the fullness of yourself. Um, so that's probably where I start. Like how less about maybe it's less about. Um, yeah, I start from that place. How, how might I show up fully in whatever spaces, encounters, relationships I have with people? Um, because that's the bedrock of any of the, call it the details of the work, right? How might I show up in a real way? Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a clean break for me. Like, I mean, I, I personally don't ascribe to the dichotomy of what is sacred and what is secular. Like that is not in my theological frame or the way that I approach life. Um, <clears throat> for one who believes in the Christ, it is, it is all imbued, it is all illumined, um, it's, it's all connected. So yeah, for me, this is about um, taking forward skills and learning and life experience, you know, 17 plus years ordained in the church, um, bringing that forward into a world where, where um, those, those skills of often close listening, empathy, um, seeking to understand curiosity um, are really catalysts for the kind of, call it organizational business work, corporate leadership that folks are doing. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, to keep that golden thread connected rather than assuming it's disconnected. That's really helpful. I, uh, part of the reason I'm curious about this is that I, I think that in the church anyways, we have this notion that a call to ministry looks like you know, this, <laughs> which typically involves, you know, getting a master of divinity and being ordained and serving the church in some way. And, and so to switch gears um, can, can be problematic for some people, uh, but it can be just an extension of that same initial call 
of God on your life to be your most full self, which is how yeah. certainly how I experience you. Um, yeah, but it's it's come with it's come with work, Aaron. I mean, um, you know, you and I know in our personal lives, and probably those listening on the call as well, that that um, change is not easy. You know, I'm not being cliche here, but it, 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 it can be hard. And oftentimes, you know, who is it? The the scholar from Harvard who talks about the difference between what is change, Bridges, William Bridges, what is change and what is transition, right? And like mm. change is the moment that happens, and then you've got to work through the ebb and flow, right? That up and down curve of what is what is transition. And I've had my I've had my share of transition. Like, I mean. Yeah, my, my CV, my CV might look cute, you know, good on paper. <laughs> Everyone wants to make their LinkedIn post kind of shiny and sparkly, but uh, but no, it's it's come with it's come with its ups and downs, and the transition to to this next iteration, I would say, of vocational expression and complexity, um, yeah, has come has has come with its own. Uh, waking up and and shedding of certain naivete from the church, right? So so I mean, yeah, I mean to be really to be really real in the call, um, you know, the institution of the mainline Protestant Church um, was was a, a beautiful and burdened place to navigate. So as a, a younger youngish <laughs> coming into this in my early twenties, um, young woman, you know, person of color. Um, who whose training was not on Canadian soil, right? Um, there were there there were some some glass sleep ceilings and some steel walls um, that I had to encounter. So um, this we have. I, I'm learning that um, the the alchemy of of resilience is key to this journey of change and this journey of of staying close to one's true vocation. It's not easy just because you think you found it, you haven't arrived, right? Um, in some ways you find it and it's, it's, that, like that's, it's just another good beginning is what I wanna say. It's another good beginning, like something else on the way. And you know, that's gonna ask something really hard of you. So, um, so yeah, it, uh, I've been living in that space for sure in the past little while and learning some of those lessons along the way. Uh, thanks for sharing. I, I'm I'm always really curious about how people sort of live their faith, live their sense of calling outside yeah. of you know the the church proper, I suppose. Um, and I think that's part of the goal of this this ministry, this podcast, uh, is to help people think that through pretty you know as deeply as we can. Mm -hmm. how our faith intersects with whatever else we're doing <laughs> uh, in whatever. Yeah. Uh, in some ways we are, we're just a few sleeps away. Well, tomorrow is Christmas, uh, two nights from our Christmas Eve, just a few sleeps away. And so I was reflecting uh, just a few nights ago on, on uh, the Christmas Eve homily. And uh, of course it led to a whole spiral, right? <laughs> Who am I? What am I doing? What is my calling? All the questions you're asking, uh, as we like to do as good theological reflectors. Um, but I was thinking to myself, um, and then had a conversation with my husband about it. Um, just what kind of pastor I would be now if I went back into congregational ministry full time. And one of the th things that I know for sure is um, just a closer, I was going to say empathy, but really practical understanding of what the people in the pews are living every day. 
So, you know, I was, like you say, ministry called, put on my stole, do my thing, connected, you know, connect as much as I could. A lot of pastoral presence in that way. But I know something now of the hustle, the grind, the, you know, the nine to five, the, the realities of what's really happening in distributed work and virtual work in this COVID environment for folks. Um, and, and, and the gospel, the same true gospel looks and feels and smells and tastes different. And, you know, I, I can feel the realness of it um, and the application of it and sometimes the disconnect of it, right? Yeah. So I can sit in that beautiful theology place right now about the incarnation, about, of, 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 about the presence of the Christ consciousness. I mean, hello, let's go and pontificate you and I, right? Just like theologians <laughs> who love that stuff. Um, but how do you make that bridge? What does that really mean for the folks right now um, who are who are uh, in downtown Calgary um, without permanent shelter, who are you know COVID COVID positive, whatever have you, like what what does that really mean? And how might I be a part of bridging that? How might I be a part of bridging that or supporting that leader at an oil and gas company that just had to announce that they were being acquired be, and have to lay off you know x hundreds of people right to make to make shareholders. Um, to make shareholders uh, uh, pleased. So like hard decisions, hard realities, connected, disconnected. Like it, I can feel the realness of, of, this, uh, of this ministry and this, this world of the church. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. And I, I can't help but think that that Christmas story is really an instance of God showing up and saying, no, we're going to go do something else now. <laughs> uh, you know. Right in the middle of the day, right in the middle of wedding planning, right in the middle of right. you know, everyday life, God shows up and says, your plans are not my plans. <laughs> Let's go do this. So Yeah, and hasn't that been so much of what COVID has done for us in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. right? It's this um, biblical size interruption um, and, and shift to the way that we have been with ourselves, with one another, uh, with our communities. Um, yeah, for sure. That's a that's a great uh, segue to my next question. I, I I've been wondering, um, you know, we've been in this kind of strange COVID time for the better part of a year, much longer than any of us thought we would be mm -hmm. back in March. <laughs> and I'm wondering, uh, you know, in your work with leaders and organizations, if you're seeing anything that uh, that surprises you or excites you, how are people responding? I mean, I know. The church world a little bit. I, I know less of the business world and, and how people are reacting. And if there's anything that you think um, is never going to be the same, uh, mm -hmm. either for, for, for better or for worse, <laughs> yeah, what, what's going on? Yeah, it's a, yeah, great question. We are December 2020 already, so we've had several months at this, hey, and um, I think when March happened here in here in Alberta, at least, um, and we went into our first lockdown, and things really accelerated for us. Um, you know, you, you could almost you could almost script the change curve, if you will, right, of leaders, communities, and organizations, um, and how imperative it was for leaders to be a, a little bit ahead of the curve, um, but also um, really demonstrate their ability to um, self-manage, right, and. And you could see the humans who were able to, and who knew intrinsically that what it was to lead in that time 
um, it's what Simon Sinek says, isn't about being in charge, but taking care of those in your charge, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that shift to this is a, we, we got to start with the people. How are my teens, right? Um, everyone's at home trying to figure out if they have enough like Wi-Fi connection <laughs> to make things happen. Um, and so, you know, you saw the productivity, productivity curve, um, but you also saw those who were able to, um, in an accelerated way, make that shift to prioritization. Hey, we've got to get our people aligned, making sure people feel cared for um, and checking in with folks. So really early, you know, saw that power of, call it back to basics, um, the power of the one-on-ones, right? The, mm. the how are you really? Um, the how might I support you? Um, what do you need to do your best work right now? Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where a lot of it started. And it has and continues to be um, core and essential for the way that I think. Um, when I, and when I say leaders, I mean, people who, who have people that they work with in a collaborative way, right? Um, whether it's at a managerial level or right up to the C-suite, CEO, executive level. Um, yeah, and, and, and then of course, this digital technology piece and how do we collaborate online in a real way? Um, I'd say that with the time and change, um, yeah, it's become very sophisticated because hard decisions um, and hard choices, a lot of folks have had to make. Um, I keep saying it, but I'm here based in, in, in Alberta and the clients we work with are coast to coast. Um, uh, so one of my one of my local clients here, um, and you can see it across in, in energy, are making hard decisions about layoffs, making hard decisions about uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, and you're seeing the really creme de la creme leaders who are leaning in, focusing on on results, but also culture, mm-hmm. right? And so, like I said, taking care of people, but also culture that um, is stemmed with and connected to this notion of um, inclusivity, collaboration, um, offering folks avenues to to, um, have optionality in the way that they design their days, et cetera. And the other piece connected with that, Erin, is okay if I just keep rambling? You wanna keep talking? Um, That I really wanna bring up connected to this cultural piece is um, the inclusion and diversity. that's one thing to your question about what will never be the same, what will always will be different. And I think continue to evolve and grow as we, as the months and years continue. COVID intercepted with a lot of social angst and the, the bubbling up of what needed to be bubbled up. Another iteration of it, not that it started this summer, um, Black Lives Matter and more. Um, but there's been an inextricable tie and the ripple effects into um, not-for-profit and corporate and government spaces um, in terms of how employees, staff, teams, leaders are showing up. Like they're not leaving their lives outside the door anymore because their lives are their workspaces now in many ways, right? Integration has been forced. Um, So one of my observations is the um, inclusion and diversity, some call it inclusion, diversity, equity, belonging (laughs) space um, has really been catalyzed in a positive way. Um, the church has been in this arena for a long time. You know, our United Church has been in the intercultural space mandated since about 2006. Um, but I will say that we have a lot to learn as a church from what's happening within organizations in terms of 
um, frameworks, programmatic commitment, policy structure. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing some of the organizations I'm working with doing a great job of of leveraging and embracing diversity, inclusion, and diversity work, um, so that it expands culture. Hmm. While in in my in some of my experience in in the mainline churches, sometimes in the way that we formulate our spirituality and religiosity, it's that inclusivity means you're welcomed in, be just like us, you know, fit, think theologically like us, right? Here's our creed. This is how we do it, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't necessarily lead to expansing expansiveness or expanding the culture, right? And so there's um there's there's a there's a leadership moment um, and uh, and process to be really attuned to that um, when we allow for that inclusivity to become expansiveness. Um, and so I'm seeing I'm seeing really good practices within um, a lot of our a lot of our you know financial institutions, um, energy spaces, higher education. Um, where where this this kind of next evolution or maturity of that space um, has definitely accelerated in the time of COVID. People are people are paying attention. That's exciting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think we could certainly learn from uh, the goal of expansiveness rather than simply inclusion. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, what your, I, I remember our conversation from seven years ago, and uh, I think you, you were just starting out on this coaching journey, as I recall, or fairly fresh into it. No wonder what your, what your elevator pitch for coaching is these days. Um, oh, I like that. That's kind of fun. Yeah, when you and I were talking, we were at Greenbelt, right? We were- That's right. Stomping our galoshes in mud um, in in the UK at uh, how would you describe Greenbelt? The social justice, music uh, and arts. A gospel fun house is what I. Yeah, <laughs> oh gosh, I remember being in one of those tents, right? It was like beer and beer and hymns. Oh, uh, that was the most fun I've ever had. That was the most fun. How great <laughs> that art, the pint in your hand has never mm. sounded or felt better. Uh, yeah, good days. And you and I took a great walk and talked about life and theology and ministry and leadership. Um, what was my pitch then, Aaron? <laughs> I think you just said to me, you'd be a great candidate for coaching, <laughs> <laughs> which okay. may be good, but you know, Yeah. so yeah, you yeah. say that to someone now and they say, well, what's coaching? <laughs> oh, it's so, um, it's a multifaceted world. I mean, uh, I've connected with Harvard's Institute of Coaching. There's like the whole science part of that, the Neuroscience Leadership Institute of Coaching. Uh, but so, so there's like research, science, and there's also the art of what is coaching. Um, I came to coaching uh, right after I'd finished my uh, doctor of ministry degree. And it was like, okay, cool, a degree. <laughs> And classic me, um, how am I going to make this practical? Like, how is this, how do I, how do I get myself into that bridge space I've always talking about? Um, and so I got myself a coach. It's like, this is coming up, burgeoning on the field. 
um, let's have a conversation. Um, and that led me to be really curious about getting certified and trained and uh, spent a year doing that. Uh, in my, so after, yeah, seven or, seven or so years of doing this professionally, um, it's many things to many people. I, at the heart of it, I would say that the way I think about coaching, it's about A, meeting someone where they're at, but not leaving them there. And so this um, uh, power of, of, of sojourning, coming alongside in a journey, for sure. Um, I probably self-describe less as like, you know, like a niche coach where some folks are like, you know, they, they coached expected mothers or they coach to folks who are going through a divorce transition. I'm not issue-based or topical-based. I'd love to think of myself as uh, human relationship-based. Um, so for me, the pitch is around, uh, are you curious in, in leveling up and taking who you are to the next maturation, the next um, iteration, uh, the next possibilizing of who you might be? A lot of the folks that I work with span three areas, um, for sure, ministry, leadership. Um, but then the other two are um, corporate folks, um, established um, entrepreneurs, right? And then the third space uh, are medical professionals, uh, physicians and, and uh, academics in, in the science space. Um, and they're all asking questions around how do I contribute? How do I level up? How do I get unstuck from previous thinking so I can continue to be better? Um, and how might I bring my full game? So everything that I know about my values, my purpose, my vision, um, my constructs of faith and spirituality, um, about my business acumen, how do I bring my full game? Um, to, to uh, a, a integrated whole experience. So I don't feel as compartmentalized. Um, I feel really privileged. I get to work with people like you, Aaron, who, and I get to you know, have a, a nicely curated list of clients that I work with um, who are folks who are interested in um, doing the work, right? Sticking with the program and uh, persevering in it. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's about people who are curious about who they are, um, uh, but aren't settled with that, right? Mm -hmm. They're curious and they want to do something with it. So we start in that place. That's wonderful. It's certainly been a, a gift to me and uh, it's definitely a, a ministry of its own. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing this work. Your um, uh, organization, Aaron, I, yeah, go ahead. Can I, be, can I be curious about that? So like seven years of, of hanging out together. Uh, do you have a top takeaway from, from the kind of coaching encounters and work you've done? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me, my problem, as you know, is often uh, getting the idea into reality. <laughs> and so just having someone to walk alongside me and ask good questions and someone who's a little bit more uh, systems minded, perhaps, uh, sees the structure, sees how to get from point A to point B a little more clearly than those of us who live in point B. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so that's been the gift for me, really. I mean, I think in the grand scheme of things, you and I have spent time talking about lots of different things over the course of our seven years and different besetting issues of, of mine. I mean, it's always about me, which is <laughs> they're, they're, if you ever want to spend some time just talking about yourself, it's perfect. Uh, get a coach. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's been the gift. That's been the gift for me. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And your, your organization is uh, uh, Monogram is? Monogram Leadership. Just want to try and somehow communicate that story that everyone has a personal approach, right? Um, and a unique, uh, personalized way of being a leader to self, to others, um, and being in leadership with others, right? Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think there's something really valuable about having mentors in this space, reading lots, you know, looking at lots of examples of leadership. It's, it's a great question to ask, ask folks, you know, who do you look to as great leaders? And people say like Obama, right? <laughs> <laughs> These large expansive characters, um, which is wonderful. But then I often will follow up uh, with a question like, um, and when, when did you first identify as a leader? And, you know, folks slow down and, and they go back to, um, you know, being a teenager and, and, and helping, helping, in a, helping in a school play and really supporting folks and feeling good about, about making that happen and having a role of responsibility. And um, they go back to their childhood being a firstborn child, right? They go back and they go back. Um, so I, there's something about <clears throat> all of us having a leadership intelligence. Mm. Um, and with that, the close sibling of a followership intelligence. I, I, I truly, I, I truly don't, I, I truly believe that you've got to be able to walk in both sets of shoes, right? The leadership and the followership. And with humility, know what it is to be a great follower as well, right? Um, and to have places in your life, life where you're stewarding both leadership and followership um, explicitly. Um, yeah, I just think it, it supports agility and humility and um, an empathy for, for what, what the roles, what the roles ask for. So yeah, monogram leadership. That's great. And the website is? What is the website, Aaron? www.monogramleadership.ca. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've been there. Most of, yeah, most, most folks get to be through referrals. So, uh, okay. the website is kind of a landing page for folks. Cool. I, I mean, I, I joked a little bit about, you know, if you want to talk about yourself, get a coach. But I do think you've, you've mentioned there that, or your, your point, I think, is that sometimes we find ourselves in positions without a whole lot of intentionality, even mm -hmm. if they're the right place. And if we, if we fail to ask those, those sort of deeper questions, we can do the right thing in the wrong way, or, <laughs> you know, we can, we can miss out on some of uh, what is truly our, our gifting and uh, yeah. how we use all that giftedness, I think, is how you put it. Yeah. And there's something around um, the art of asking the better questions, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that is, that, that takes some practice, but I think something that can be learned, uh, learned with ourselves. I'm sure in, in your quiet time, you can probably hear my voice. <laughs> how would Danielle frame that question? <laughs> What's the question I really want to get at here? The questions are a great portal to, to um, discovery, right? And yeah. unlocking. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I think that's, uh, I, I, that's maybe a good place for us to, to wrap up. I, I really appreciate your, your time. I know uh, you're busy, but you're on the brink of holidays. So I hope you get a really good break. And uh, that this season is full of wonder and hope and peace and joy and love and all the rest of it for you and yours. Thanks for yeah, giving like, us your time. Yeah, and to you also, Aaron. All the best. This has been great. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for joining my conversation with Danielle. Here are a few things I'm thinking about from our time. First, I like the reframing of vocation not simply as something we pursue, but something that pulls us in. Not just what I want to do, but what breaks me open. Who do I want to bless is a key vocational question. Another good question is, how can you show up fully? How can you bloom where you are planted? Not just striving for something in the distance, but living into the fact that here and now you are made with purpose. What does God want to do in and through you in this time, in this place? I'm grateful for the reminder that we need others to help us do this work, to answer these questions, whether it's a coach, a spiritual director, a therapist, or a counselor. We need that outside wisdom to help us grow. And finally, we need to steward both leadership and followership, especially as folks committed to the will and way of Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'd love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook, or on our website, all at foxesandfowl.ca. Thanks to the Foxes and Fowl team, University Hill Congregation, and the Pacific Mountain region of the United Church of Canada. Thanks to Davis Miller for the soundtrack. Check them out wherever you get your music. And until next time, grace and peace.